0: Welcome to the GateWorld podcast. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 112 of the GateWorld Podcast. I'm Darren. And I'm David. And this is the show where two nerds talk about Stargate. We've got a third nerd this week. Our very special guest, special friend Diana Botsford, is going to be joining us in just a few minutes. But David, first. Holy cow. Yeah. We just got the Resurgence podcast posted, and uh, yeah, we're just. With- we're recording on, on Thursday, and it's a big day in Stargate history. Today, the news comes down that Stargate Universe has been canceled after two seasons. Mm-hmm.
1: No third season. Which, I mean, everyone was like, what do you mean? There's there's ten episodes left? I'm like, yeah, don't worry. They'll air them. All it's saying is that the show has not been renewed for a season three. <laughs> yeah, all, all, all that it's saying is, you know.
0: We're halfway through the second season at this point. We have ten more episodes to enjoy. The sky has not quite fallen yet. Um, but there's, oh man, there's so much to talk about. And honestly, I've been talking about this all day. I did an interview with Mike Moody from TV squad and I was on, uh, Airlock Alpha's radio show earlier tonight. So it's been nonstop and I have been wanting to talk with you and with Diana about this all day long. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do, our main topic, uh, this week was SGU season two so far. And I think it's fair to say that needs to be preempted. We're going to talk about that a little bit towards the end of the show. Just to sort of round out two thousand and ten, this is our last podcast for two thousand and ten, uh, but our main topic discussion is going to be the cancellation of Stargate universe.
1: Yeah, yeah, it just needs to be and that's that's what the listeners are expecting so obviously that's that's what's going to happen so let's uh, get rolling shall we
2: okay. Hi guys hi, thanks for having me
0: welcome back to the show. Indeed.
2: Thank you for being here.
0: wish Thank it was you. a
1: little bit of a uh, uh, less of a somber uh situation but um glad to have you back
2: yeah it's uh you know it's all those stages of grief i find myself running through right now or through uh loss it's uh disbelief shock uh anger Anger, all of it denial it's It's, uh it's bizarre i mean the the whole thing is bizarre you know i mean we can monday morning quarterback all we want but it is what it is and uh I think the thing now is going forward is what's going to be best for the franchise and for what's best for the fans and for Sci-Fi Channel.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the frustrating things is that the the show is um, done being produced. So it's not like they had a few episodes left and could change directions and and end cap it somehow. There's no telling how the season is going to end. So it'll probably end in a cliffhanger, and that's really going to We do
0: know that there is a cliffhanger, yeah. We do? Yeah, we can we can confirm that. Who said that? Uh, I believe Joe Malozzi on his blog said
2: that. Yes, I remember reading that myself. But you know, they could do something similar to what Pushing Daisies did, uh, where uh, I don't know if you guys were familiar with the series. It was a wonderful series. Brian Fuller. It got canceled after the last episode was in the can, but then he went in and did kind of like a little bit of an animation thing with a voiceover because you know they always had this omniscient narrator. Mm-hmm. They went in and did a, a, just a minute thing that it didn't wrap everything up, but it made you feel like it, the book had finished, so to speak, like you had, you had finish. finished a book. And it was, it was gratifying. It was very sad that the series was canceled. I would like to see them try to do that. They're in post-production on effects right now, and you know maybe they could have Louis Ferreira and Robert Carlyle do some sort of voiceover thing or something. All day long, I've been trying to figure out what happened, and really it's a case of what didn't happen. It was a a very complex situation between trying to do something new with the franchise, with what's going on in the marketplace as it is right now. Mm Sci-Fi Channel, I think, has got some sort of edict from on high going on. I mean, we know there's been a change of personnel with Jeffrey Zucker leaving, um, and it's possible that they've been given an edict to build their numbers. You either build or you die. That's the business model. So, I, I mean, I think across the board, there's just been a lot of challenges.
1: We're all just kind of sitting here. In I know. Grief. I mean, <laughs> I, <laughs> I know. I mean,
2: you know, I was looking at uh, I was looking at ratings for other uh, other sci-fi channel shows, and of course, the the big. Benchmark in my mind for everything is always going to be Battlestar Galactica in, the, in regards to critical success. And it, when it ended, uh, the Nielsen's are, the, according to the Nielsen's, the two-hour finale drew 1.5 million adults, 18 to 49, and 1.6 million persons, 25 to 54. Now that was a show that it had, and it was on a Friday night. It was a final finale. But those are still not great numbers. But the thing is, is that Battlestar was an in-house produced show. It was an NBC Universal production for right. the Sci-Fi Channel, and the risks were spread because you had, um, I think it was Sky or one of the other English distribution companies were financially involved. For the and first
1: season, yeah, Sky
2: uh, Sky One, I think. And really, where they were making their money was on DVDs. They were making gobs of money on DVDs, but. Nobody buys DVDs anymore. That's part of the problem that even if even if there was cost sharing and profit sharing going on where sci-fi channel got more money out the back, there isn't more money to be made because everybody is watching things on Netflix. They're watching them on Hulu. And as much as I hate to say it, I know people that are illegally downloading. They just are. It's a fact of life. So they really need a new profit model. And I can't help but look over at the shows on pay cable like Dexter, for instance, where um, you know it does $4.5 million,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know? It's a good it show. Paid. It's a great show.
0: Let's go ahead and answer this question now because so much of, of the conversation that goes on on GateWorld when we post ratings every week is, what about me, don't I count? I watch the show on Hulu, I pay for the show and watch it on iTunes or on Amazon, I live in another country, Uh, why don't I count? And I think what people have to realize first of all is that when you're looking, when you're a sci-fi channel network executive and you have to decide whether or not to spend the money, that's a lot of money, to buy another 20 hours of a show like Stargate Universe, your first concern is not with how many people are watching the show. Strange as that sounds, in this day and age, your concern is not with how many people are watching the show. Your concern is with how many people are, you know, can you tell advertisers are watching the show? How much can you charge advertisers? And then, you know, how does the math line up? You spend so much money to pay your licensing fee to MGM. And so, it, I mean, yeah, if you're watching it on iTunes, you certainly count to MGM. The studio owns the show and is is making money off of your purchase but I'm sorry, no, you don't count for Sci-Fi's renewal of the show. You need to watch the show on Sci-Fi and you need to watch it live and be a Nielsen viewer if you want to count.
2: But the challenges with that are: first off, Sci-Fi is a cable show, so that cuts its ratings down. Secondly, it's a higher bracket one that not anybody who has basic cable can see. You actually have to pay more in order to see it. For instance, if you go stay in a hotel, it might have HBO. But it mm-hmm. doesn't have, <clears throat> excuse me, it doesn't have sci-fi channel. It's Almost that,
0: never, yeah.
2: That's right. So it's that hard to get. So that, that in itself is part of the problem is that it, it's a limited, there's a limited viewership to begin with.
1: Mm-hmm. And that being said, you know, if this was a network show, it would have been canceled a long time ago with these ratings. I mean, it, would, it wouldn't it would have made it past the first few episodes.
2: I mean, um, You know, part of the problem, too, I think I I heard you talking earlier tonight, Darren, with uh, Airlock Alpha about, Michael was talking about how shows with arcs and uh, cliffhangers and whatnot aren't working as well. And again, I'm going to have to point to Dexter. I mean, Dexter will have a season-long arc, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. with the exception of the end of the last season, every season, they wrap it up. It is wrapped up, and I would say that... um, if you're going to split a season in half, which sci-fi always has, that you need to have two story arcs within a season. You need to wrap mm. everything up back to... Not necessarily reset the button. You still have the problem. In the case of Universe, it's the destiny and being lost on it. Well, you it need got... to have
1: internal story arcs for, for ten
2: episodes. Right, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. But like to to again point to Dexter, as far as a financial model is concerned... I only get showtime for 3 months a year. I call up and I uh, and I mm. book it the week before Dexter starts, and in fact 10 minutes before we got on the phone here tonight, I called to cancel <laughs> it. Okay? And I'll call them again in late August and I'll do the same thing, but the show is that show is so excellent, it is worth my paying Showtime to see the show. I want to see it the minute it's airing. I don't want to wait for iTunes. I yeah. don't want to wait. I don't want to wait. And I would say that this is one of the ways that possibly television is going to have to go. They're always going to have the problem of FCC rulings. You, the, the basic networks have to provide free broadcasting. That's just that's the law of the land in exchange for using those airwaves. That's the way it works. I, I have a friend who is uh, head of production for one of the network's. And uh, she used to be my secretary many decades ago. (laughs) And um, she said the discussion is already underway about having to do two models, one that continues to be the free broadcast and one that is the a la carte pay per show or Mm. uh, or more of the Showtime or the HBO model. And Showtime and HBO both have tremendous shows on them. So sci-fi is stuck between a rock and a hard place because they're trying to appeal to folks like us who are, we're science fiction people. We are ahead of the curve technologically. We're the first ones that use DDRs. We're the first ones that, that patched up our Xboxes to stream things onto our Xboxes. So, of course, we're not going to be the ones that, it's not about watching the show. It's about watching the commercials between the show. We don't do that. So sci-fi is in a very tough spot. They've taken on a very tough challenge, trying to appeal to a market that is not interested in watching commercials.
0: Yeah, either they have to get us to watch commercials, or they have to find another way to right. finance their business, like like a premium pay channel, like Showtime. And this, you know, this this point about the way that that uh, uh, an arc-based series tells its story is an important one when you line it up against sci-fi channel's programming decisions. Sci-fi channel has decided to do too many seasons, Uh, and the the gap between the mid-season actually has ended up a little bit longer than the gap between seasons, the season finale and the next year's premiere. But isn't that Um, the job of
1: Bridge, to go in and and say, okay, this is what they're going to do, so we need to craft our stories thusly?
2: Well, I mean, you know, it's funny you say that, because Eureka, they do this with Eureka, they do it even worse with Eureka, it's like nine months between Mm -hmm. the first half and the second half of a season. But Eureka throughout the years has been very smart about this, about wrapping up a story arc within the episodes that are going to air in a block. And they just did this and they had the best ratings they've ever had. Their ratings went through the roof this last year.
0: I wonder if Stargate is operating by that older mindset of we need to do sort of as big a cliffhanger as we can so that people will remember us and come back in four months. But they're not. Instead of wrapping up the loose ends. They're and not people, remembering. People aren't doing it. Um, and David, you and I have talked in, in months past about a show like Legend of the Seeker. There is an example of a show that did a great job of doing a season-long arc, yep. and you run them all at a, at a stretch, and yep. then at the end of the season, you know that, that there is, the, the chapter is ending.
1: Well, yep. Legend of the Seeker also has the benefit of you know those each season was based on one of the books and you know right. they had they used that as a guideline for the season and then filled in the gaps with with new content yeah. so that and that's not what that's not what stargate does you know even no. though stargate universe is very much you know i felt that season 1 was chapter 1 and season 2 was chapter 2 of 5 we're not going to see the next 3 chapters
0: now and it's the comparison, the comparison to lost i think is is continues to be germane because Loss was heavily an arc-based show, and in season three, it was, it was sort of hemorrhaging viewers. It was one of the top shows when it premiered, and then they, they had this strategy of we're going to have this six-episode sort of mini-arc and, and wrap it up in the fall, and then we want people to come back the first of February and watch the rest of the season, and it sort of blew up in their faces and didn't work, and they lost a lot of viewers, and they learned a lesson that year which is why you never saw Lost premiering in the fall for the rest of its run. ABC learned that it had to premiere the show at the end of January or the 1st of February and run them all in a run without a single break. And Stargate, I I mean, sci-fi, you can blame part of this on on the way that that the show's writers wrote those 10-episode blocks, but I think a whole lot of the blame has to be put at the feet of Sci-Fi Channel, who decided to do these huge gaps in the middle of a season.
2: Yeah, but, you know, there's a whole other issue here, and and it's the elephant in the room, and it needs to be discussed, and that's the Tuesday night situation. On many levels, the Tuesday nights were, on many different levels, it was a problem. One of them being the competition. I mean, you're talking about the, that was the major night of the week for fall television. Every show was on Tuesday night. I mean, I had so many shows that I wanted to watch that I had to not let certain ones be recorded through the DVR and had to use Hulu, even though I don't like to use Hulu. The other problem is that this show is so intense, like Battlestar was intense, that you watch it, you don't want to go to sleep afterwards. It's not Mm. like Castle on Monday nights where... You know, it's all so cute and adorable, and now you feel good and you want to go to sleep. Yeah,
1: Diana and I were talking about this earlier this week. SGU, Stargate, it, SGU specifically, like Galactica, you know, is very much the kind of show where, oh, my week is done. Now I can sit down and and chill out, and <laughs> you know, unbutton my pants and just let my gut hang out and and watch a good show, and then not have to get up the next morning and the weekend kind of dwell on it. Tuesday night is a death sentence and yes. it killed the show and I mean if I was really really pessimistic I would say they put it there to die.
0: A Tuesday nights have, have been so problematic for so many reasons and the competition is killer yes. for starters uh, just the, the age old programming problem of, of what your show is up against uh, and the, the thing is Sci-Fi Channel with SGU uh, and also with Caprica Sci-Fi Channel decided to try and get into a new a New Day. They aired on Tuesday nights in the summertime with Eureka and Warehouse 13. But to my knowledge, they've never aired original scripted dramas on Tuesday nights in the fall season before. And so they should expect absolutely that these are the ratings.
2: Yeah, I mean, and people are talking about how the Warehouse 13 finale aired when the regular uh, television season started in the fall.
0: You can't yeah, right. compare.
2: You can't compare a finale to a regular episode. You can't. It's a finale. It's a big deal. They did a cliffhanger the week before. You just can't do that. It's not just a regular episode that we're watching. And it's a different sort of show too. Eureka, I mean, I just watched the Christmas specials for both of them and they're Mm -hmm. charming, but they're like Castle. They're the kind of thing where you can turn it off afterwards and you have a little smile on your face and you don't want to talk about them. You don't want to dissect them. They're not speculative.
0: Yeah, and you Whereas, can dip into it and get a Christmas episode, and, you know, the the Christmas episodes for those shows aired the week after the SGU finale, and they aired on Tuesday night, and they got good ratings. They got yes, they did. the old the old 2 million Warehouse 13 ratings.
2: Yes, they did. Eureka got 1.9. It did quite well, but, again, it's a sh- quite frankly, I was watching those things going, this is what belongs on Tuesday night, and winter is a little bit of sunshine, you know, yeah. and... I- That would be the perfect show. Stargate Universe belonged on Friday nights. Or, you know, I would have taken it on Thursday nights. Or even, listen, Dexter is a Sunday night show and it does very well. You know, but during that weekly, you know, that grind, Tuesday nights, by Tuesday night people are like, oh, I'm back on the work week and I have got to go to bed. And what fun is that? I mean, part of 2010 TV watching, a critical part of it, is the social media community aspect. It's the getting online afterwards, whether it be Facebook or Twitter or mm-hmm. instant messaging or chatting of some sort and talking about the show. And in fact social media to a certain extent has saved a lot of series because of that. And you can't do that when you gotta wake up at six o'clock in the morning and the and the Stargate episode is over at what is it? Air it on uh, on the east and west coast at ten o'clock at night.
0: Yeah, nine nine o'clock.
1: Nine Diana o'clock. and I have gotten into this tradition of dissecting the show the day after it airs, but Wednesday mm-hmm. is her hell her hell day. I mean, Tuesday you know, is Tuesday, Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday. Yeah. Excuse me. Right. So and, I can't and, even watch it Tuesdays. She can't. So you know, it's just it's an awkward awkward time, and yeah. it's it never helped the show at all.
0: Yeah. Well, one of the main reasons we have so much fun with SGU is because. David, you and I get to talk about it every week on the podcast. And we face this problem where we just can't do it during the week. There's no time to sit right. down and talk and record during the week. So we end up recording on Saturday. And I've got to rewatch the episode or I forgot how it ended.
2: All right. And it's a snowball effect. The podcasts help build momentum. Uh, people yeah, we social- killed
1: SGU. We killed it
2: <laughs> no. because it was but getting you, out it, six it days too late. It is a snowball effect. It is a snowball effect. It is. But it's
0: It's symptomatic of what I think is probably true for a lot of viewers. The shift was hard, and it, the shift to Tuesday, and it wasn't just because we had been watching it on Friday for 12 years.
2: Yeah, I mean, it is patterns, but then patterns are part of the problem as far as story was concerned, too. I mean, now let's talk about a whole other aspect of this thing. These guys were trying to do something different. For them, they, they stumbled, and they've even admitted that they've stumbled a little bit, but they had really, man, the second season really picked up.
0: Yeah. Now, yeah. before we, we shift gears and get into that, I have something that I want to get your thoughts on, both of you. Um, this is my programming theory. I laid this out on Airlock Alpha, and I'm going to give it to you guys and see what you think. Sci-Fi Channel wants to break into Tuesday nights. It's got. Uh, it's just picked up the rights to WWE SmackDown, which has traditionally been a Friday night show for that viewer base. Yeah. So it, it decides it wants to keep wrestling on Friday nights. That show is a two-hour block, which means it's left with one hour of primetime on Friday nights. And it has three shows, the, the three scripted dramas to find time for. It has Stargate Universe, Sanctuary, and Caprica. So we're going to try and... There's room on Friday for one of those at 10. We're going to try and break into Tuesday night with the other two. So which two of those shows kind of go together? darker character drama, SGU and Caprica make sense to keep together, which means they can't fit on Friday night anymore. See, and I so Sanctuary with that. gets the post-wrestling time slot. Wrestling gets 2.7 million viewers a week. And I, I, would, I would think that any show, maybe, maybe not Caprica because Caprica was really struggling on Friday nights anyway. Uh, but between Sanctuary and SGU, I say whichever one gets that Friday night 10 p.m. time slot gets better ratings and has a better chance of renewal.
2: See, if I was head of programming, I would have kept Stargate and Sanctuary together for one reason and one reason only. It's the same family. A Mm. lot of the people watching Sanctuary started watching it because of Amanda Tapping, Martin Wood, Damien Kindler. A lot of the other people on that show started in the Stargate franchise earlier. It's where it got its fan base from. So you keep those two things together for that reason. That's my feeling about that. Uh, and also I like to mix things up. Don't, don't, you know, once you hit me with something hard and dark, lighten it up a little bit for me afterwards. Sanctuary, it's been pretty cool this year with its Jules Vernean type, uh, themes that are going on, but it's still the kind of show where at the end it's like, okay, I can, you know, I, I can go to, th- I can go to sleep now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll su- you, you swoon for a moment because J- John Druid is so awesome. And then you, you go to sleep, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but Caprica is very intense. I do
0: swoon at John Druitt. Do you? He does make me swoon.
2: Oh, there you go. Especially when
0: you've met Chris Heyerdahl in person.
2: Yeah, and then Amanda Tapping. I mean, you know, she's (laughs) awesome. She's absolutely, you get the two of them together and you're like, oh, wow, this is great. You know, it's like the Shakespearean actors of science fiction. Caprica is very profound. And, rec- and I, I I mean, I got the opportunity to see the end of, of the run because I have a cousin up in Toronto and she sent me down the, the, the DVDs of it. Uh, she recorded it and sent it down. And wow. I mean, it's just wow. And I know we're going to say the same thing about the tail end of Stargate Universe, that it's just wow. But, you know, would we have watched those live and watched the commercials on a Tuesday night? No.
0: Yeah, and because of that wrestling block, I don't think that, you know, the next logical conclusion, at least for a fan of SGU, is well, Tuesday night's not working, sci-fi needs to move it, needs to find someplace else for it to go. With that two-hour wrestling block and Sanctuary, as successful as it is on Friday nights at 10, you know, they've got successes on Wednesdays and Thursdays with their reality shows. I don't think there's any place for them to move Stargate right now.
2: See, I would say you do counter programming and put the reality shows on Tuesday night because it's all dramas on the major networks,
0: mm-hmm. and you
2: and you put the fiction stuff on Wednesday night. There is no good fiction stuff on Wednesday night that I know of. I don't mm. have anything to watch on Wednesday night.
1: Well, the whole so. thing is moot. I mean, the show's yeah. done. So
2: <laughs> it is. It is. It's just. I mean, it, it was a. It was a complex. It was everybody trying to do something different, and if. You had had one or two aspects that it wasn't different. It might have had more success. But I do think that it is an example of what's to come. If we want science, great science fiction television to stay alive, Sci-Fi Channel is going to have to recognize that their viewers are not the normal viewers, and they need to therefore not apply standard broadcast programming ruling how they program.
0: Before we get off the programming topic, let's uh, listen to Tom's voicemail.
2: Hi, this is Tom from Milton Keynes in the UK uh, calling about the recent announcement that Sci-Fi are canceling SGU. I was wondering if there's any possibility that the Canadian channel Space could be convinced to pick it up. Um, I've been following the podcast for a long time now. Please keep up the good work, even if this is the end.
0: So Diana, do you think that a a station in another... Country like space in Canada or like Sky in the UK could be convinced to pick up the tab for SGU and keep it in production.
2: Well, I mean, I get the impression the show does very well in Canada. I do think that that is another model is to spread the cost, like the first season of Battlestar Galactica. If the costs were much lower for the U.S. distributor, U.S. broadcaster, and you had more of a pickup from other um, countries. I think it would work, yeah.
1: How much time passed uh, from the cancellation of SG-1 in season 5 before Fi picked it up for season 6? Or was there a cancellation at all? Do you remember, Darren? You were covering this back then.
0: Oh, boy. I don't recall any lapse. I don't recall any period of time where we thought the show was done, where we thought that it was not coming back. I think that we, you know, because Showtime is a... Is a a premium channel that doesn't rely on ratings. There's not this constant speculation of renewal. I think that we probably heard that it was moving before we heard that Showtime didn't want a season six uh, because it's just sort of all happening behind closed doors, much more so than on a on a channel like SyFy.
2: But Showtime does care about ratings. They keep putting out press releases talking about their ratings. So I think that that model may have changed, too. Mm-hmm. You know, because, the, I mean, Dexter I follow very closely. I'm sorry to keep harping on it, but I do follow it both profession, for professional reasons and for personal reasons very closely. And they've been touting every week what the ratings have been for Dexter and for Weeds and for all their other shows. That's become a critical piece to them.
0: Those hit shows on HBO and, and Showtime, I think, didn't exist back in 2002, whenever it happened. I don't recall when when shows like The Sopranos got their start so if Stargate was getting a a point zero five household rating, it just wasn't touted because people were not tuning into their premium channels to watch, you know, the really big name originals like Sopranos or Dexter,
2: right, or Rome, right, An, another great show, yeah, yeah. So I I mean I just the whole model is going to have to be changed. Now the, conversely, though, the problem you have particularly for science fiction. One of the things that NBC Universal and the Sci-Fi Channel have been experimenting with is some product placement specifically with Eureka and to a certain extent with Warehouse 13. And that's fine. They're both modern-day shows. You could even do it with Stargate Universe to a certain extent. But let's take something like Battlestar Galactica. Are you going to see Apollo get in his Viper and crack open a can of Coca-Cola? <laughs> it's a problem. So it limits the kind of storytelling that can be done. and isn't sci-fi cha- sci- science fiction supposed to be about not having limits?
0: It sounds exciting and delicious.
2: Well, I mean, you understand what I'm saying. You can't suspend disbelief if yeah. they're drinking Coca-Cola and they're supposed to be in another galaxy far, far away. So it's it's a challenge. I mean, I, I don't envy the Sci-Fi Channel the position that they're in right now. I'm not happy with them canceling the show, but I also don't envy them.
0: Yeah, and I really wonder, because we lost both Caprica and SGU, I wonder if they're going to try again, maybe try with reality or something different, to try and hold on to some foothold in Tuesday night, or if they're just going to call the whole experiment a failure and, and throw their hands up in the air.
2: My feeling is, put Eureka and Warehouse 13 on in the spring on Tuesday night, I would watch them. I really would. It's light, it's airy. It's the kind of thing you can go to sleep right afterwards. It's, it's, and it, and it, is counter, it is counter-programming to the intense stuff on all the other networks. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's, it's popcorn science fiction, you know. It's, but as, right now, right. I mean, sci-fi doesn't have any kind of hardcore, dark science fiction. I mean, we have Blood and Chrome on the horizon, but not... Well, you know, I, what's I,
2: also interesting is hmm. two of the things that came out today, two of the press releases that you have to look at the bigger picture here. As far as Sci-Fi Channel is concerned, an hour before the the cancellation was announced, a press release was released, a tangent uh, press release from Universal, NBC Universal, and Sci-Fi that they are going to that Sci-Fi is going to have a movie production company, doing five Mm -hmm. to twelve million dollar movies, theatrical released movies. Just one hour before this announcement happened, watch the other hand. Well, I thought that was very interesting. Obviously. And then the other press release that came out today was the BBC America announcing all of these, like, four or five science fiction series that they're going to be bringing to BBC America, and they sound great, you know? So all of that happened within, like, the course of an hour this morning. I don't know how it's all related, but I suspect that it is. Well,
1: one of the interesting things that I took away from this is it it felt like everyone found out, all the cast found out through Twitter. So it seems Some like of you know, them this too. was something that... that well, Ming-Na
2: more- and David Blue most definitely found out through Twitter.
1: Right. So it's almost as if you know, they saw all these other press releases coming out and said, okay, let's, let's get this one out through the back door. Maybe no one will see.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I,
1: I, I kind of got that feeling from it.
2: But we but- don't know. We don't know if they notify... You know, their job is to notify the executive producer, and it's the executive producer's job to notify everybody. We don't know what happened. We don't know if they couldn't get a hold of Brad Wright... We don't know if Brad Wright couldn't get a hold of everybody else. We don't know. It's unfortunate that Sci-Fi Channel didn't give some time for Brad Wright to do his job.
1: Well, I know for a another. fact that several of them are on a, on a cruise ship right now. So, yes. Although the yeah, cell really really phone not, reception is out in the middle of the ocean, but hey.
0: We don't really know how much time they did, they did give. I mean, it seems like if Ming-Na and David Blue didn't know, then they probably didn't call Brad two weeks ago.
1: Well, I know for a fact Brad didn't go no 2 weeks ago. I talked with him then. <laughs> oh right.
0: So. Yeah. Well, um, as far as Tom's question goes, um could Space pick up the show, you know, it's just not realistic right now, especially after uh the show's been canceled and has had relatively poor numbers and uh it's we know that SGU is an expensive show to produce. It would have to be sort of an international coalition of of financiers. Uh, which, you know, Battlestar season one and, and other shows that that's happened on would be like Define Gravity had international support. Yeah. Um, but that's a totally different model for MGM to go to, you know, Sky One and to go to RTL in Germany and say, Hey, if you want to keep airing this show, you need to pony up as opposed to just saying, here's your, your standard license fee, which is much, much lower.
2: And your other problem is is that some of that cast is um, American, they're not Canadian, so they can't get as much of a tax break as, like, Sanctuary can. Sanctuary is, like, 100% Canadian. I mean, everything about Sanctuary is Canadian, whereas um, this is why, like, a lot of people are asking, why isn't Richard Dean Anderson on Sanctuary? Why doesn't he show up as a guest star? Because he's American. St- Stargate Universe has quite a few American cast members and that go- that that hurts their tax breaks which helps to keep costs down and that would affect it airing on space. And you also it's have awesome. to remember there is still the possibility of movies for the third movie for SG1 and I don't know about the Atlantis movie because several of those actors are doing big paying things right now.
0: But I hope that's the next thing that we hear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. we know that mgm is is uh, the last thing we heard about mgm's bankruptcy proceedings is that the judge gave them the go ahead on their on their plan and they could be emerging from bankruptcy and ready to to finance some new productions in january and i would love to turn around in january or february and see a press release from mgm saying that we've got a couple of stargate movies you know pick your show that have gotten the green light and are going to going to shoot in 2011
1: well, still, that won't occupy fans for twenty weeks out of the year, though.
2: You know? No, and, no, but you that, know, stranger things have happened. You've also got the build-up, the anticipation, you know, which will allow some time. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll definitely see what happens. You know, I don't. I don't. I. I, I haven't. I mean, I ha, as far as the franchise is concerned, excuse the cliche, but the fat lady hasn't sung yet. I mean, I think as far as this particular chapter. OK, yeah, it's over. And but you know what? It's not over. We still have a bunch of episodes to see, mm-hmm. which is thrilling, absolutely thrilling. Um, and by the time those are done, we might have a better sense of what's going on with the, mo- with the movies. There are some amazing plans in the work with Fandemonium. For instance, Stargate Atlantis," they've just started a six-part post post the series. Series of books about uh, the about the ship and about Atlantis and about it going possibly going back to Pegasus. Uh, there's lots of plans with SG1 novels. So um, there's still stuff going on. It's it is a it, uh, my belief is that it's such a healthy franchise that it can afford to stumble.
0: That's a nice thought. It can afford to it can afford to take some time off as well.
2: Yes, absolutely. Look at Trek. I mean, Trek had to take some time off. It rebooted, and you know, I mean, it, it did what well. it's done very well in its reboot. I'd like that to see another most series. Most successful on the film, air.
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, I'd like to see another series on the air. I still mm-hmm. rewatch the series, those a couple of those series. I don't rewatch Next Gen, but I do rewatch Deep Space Nine. We've had that discussion before, but you know, I mean, my God, Stargate. I I, I get I still get royalty checks every three months for my Star Trek Next Generation episode. They pay for my yearly groceries, my royalty checks. And I wrote <laughs> that episode 20 years ago. 20 years ago wow. I wrote that episode, okay? So Let's I think that's some something. some play worldwide. Yes. yes, It gets a yeah, lot of Yeah, we know that
0: Stargate's, Stargate's worldwide audience is very strong. Uh,
2: exactly. But talking
0: about the novels, you anticipate our next voicemail. Let's listen to David.
1: Hey, Darren and David. This is David in Indianapolis, Indiana. I go by Ilana Murado on the Gate World forums and on Twitter. On the night we heard SGU was being canceled, I sent you a message asking if you thought this meant the end of the franchise, and you said not a chance, but that it probably would be going on hiatus for a while. I wanted to know what you thought that the future of the fourth series, if we get one, might be. Do you think we'll get another out-of-the-box series like SGU, or do you think that we'll get more of an adventure week sort of thing like we had with SG-1 and SGA? also wanted to know what you thought we could look forward to as longtime fans as means of tiding us over until then, Uh, any sort of web series, maybe like Reese, or even just like a book series, the way that SGA is continuing their story. Something that we could sort of have in our hands and uh, enjoy while we're waiting for whatever fourth series might come about.
2: I think we've answered the second part of that question. I mean, really, Stargate Novels, uh, Fandemonium, they've got some crazy plans for the next few years, as far as books are concerned. And... They're easy to access, and about six to seven months after they come out in print, they're on Kindle. You know, this is what kept Star Trek going, was the novels. hmm You know, I, and I will admit I have over 100 of those novels on one of my bookshelves. So, um, <laughs> you know, there's plenty of those. There's uh, the comic books. There is uh, the radio, the, the audio uh, shows the audio that they do. The audio adventures, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So there is, there is stuff going on. As far as a fourth series is concerned, guys, I mean, we don't know what, what would happen, but you could, I mean, if you were told, okay, what would be your concept for a fourth series, what would you do? I,
1: I'd, I'd make it a pretty big departure from what has come before. I wouldn't set it in the here and now. I might set it in, in really, really the distant past or really far into the future. But not necessarily a prequel, distant past, something that's very detached from us. But you know, I mean, one of the one of the things that Stargate does is is it the the hallmarks of the show is that it's about us. Um, that for for I mean that's that's been fine. Um, but it, I mean, look at SGU's cancellation. It it's not sci-fi. Doesn't want that right now. Something dramatically different, I think, would be really cool.
0: Yeah, I could see it going one of two ways. The w- the way that I would like it to go is. Something in the future. If it's time to break any of the old rules of Stargate, it's, I think it's that rule of it's, it's us here and now. Um, I'd love to see a show set a little bit in the future.
1: I'd like, like to see it with, the sh- with it open to the public. That, yeah. That's a whole host of stories that, is n- that have never been told. It's been a secret yeah. for 17 seasons.
0: I think a fourth series is inevitable, and I don't think it's going to take as long as, as it's taking Star Trek to get back on television because this franchise is... Important to Sci-Fi Channel, it has been up to this point. For goodness' sake, Stargate made Sci-Fi Channel a top ten network.
2: Yes, it did. When
0: they picked up SG One, and it's so important to MGM, especially when MGM is is trying to sort of reboot itself. The Stargate television franchise is so important to what they do at MGM. they stated I think how
1: important it is. Yeah,
0: everybody. Yeah, I think somebody pointed out to me that it's in their it's in their court documents for bankruptcy proceedings. Yeah. It's, Stargate is this huge asset and it's super important to us.
2: Yep, um, that was me. So, yeah. yeah, somebody's <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Somebody's going to be pushing and pushing really hard to get Stargate back on the air. It may yeah. take a few years. But I think it's inevitable. The second way I could see a TV series going is let's do something radically different that's still in the here and now but is you know, let's let's do like a Warehouse 13 take and and have like a Stargate procedural with with fewer characters with like a you know, a couple of I don't know NID detectives or something that go out there, and I don't know Monday morning quarterbacking again. It seems like SGU as as the dark drama. If it had come a few years earlier, it probably really would have struck while the iron was hot, uh, and would have would have gathered a lot more attention that shows like Battlestar got. I don't see as much dark stuff out there anymore, and I don't watch yeah. Dexter. No, maybe it's it's darker, but. You know we want shows that that we're going to f- sort of feel good about and smile when we're done watching them.
2: Well, we need that right now, that's for sure. But I think part of the problem for Stargate is expect it's the expectations game. We were trained to the playfulness of the first two series. So mm-hmm. we whether we admit to it or not, we expected it out of this se- this series as well. Um, I mean, what's, what was Star Trek about? Star, Star Trek was about sense of wonder and exploration. It was the wagon train to the, to the stars. That's what that is. And you expect to have that theme going in some form or fashion throughout every series. Stargates, to me, has always been about, first and foremost, quite frankly, the esprit de corps. The the fact that these these people, what, whatever their situation was, whether it was a team, a special a, a Stargate team like SG1 or it was the Atlantis team, those guys would do anything for each other. They got they they went through the gate, they'd get into trouble, they'd get out of trouble, and they'd go home through the gate. And along the way, there was funny stuff that happened. Some some minorly dark stuff would happen. But it was always about sacrificing self for the others. It was always Mm. for for, for what the others on your team needed. That esprit de corps was core to the franchise. And Universe was the antithesis of that. It was almost whiplash. It was such the antithesis of that. And I think that a fourth season... If I was programming director at Sci-Fi Channel, I would insist that it gets back to that that there is that that bonding, there is that uh that close tightness between the members of the team mm-hmm. um helping each other. As far as you know, David, you had said that it's that part of what attracts people to Stargate is that it's us. Well, if you make it in the future, it's not us. I know. I know. You know. So, I mean,
1: That's a risk, definitely.
2: It's a definite risk, and I think, quite frankly, they're not going to be as willing to take as many risks next time. Uh, Are they going to go back to the SGC? No, I don't think they can do that. I do think it would be interesting to possibly deal with having it be disclosed. That could be very interesting, and you could get some politics in there, but you would still have the team. I'd I'd like to see the military be highlighted in a positive way again. I really would. Um, I felt like there were a few times on Stargate Universe that it got a little questionable. And mm. I found that very sad because one of the things that I think the franchise has been remarkable for until now is demonstrating the commitment of people in the military and that there is a difference between b- the military and the Pentagon. I mean, SG-1 in particular was very good. It's still making the Pentagon being, be a big bad but making the men and women who were in the Marines and in the Air Force and the Army and all the different people that worked for the SGC, that these were highly respected people, these were heroes. And I think we need heroes. I think that's the bottom line, really. Don't we need heroes?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And it makes me want to spend a show talking about some ideas of what might a fourth series look like. What does Stargate need What does Stargate need to recover, and what did Stargate Universe do really well that we don't want to lose? Well, guys, it's a dark day, and it's been a dark week in Stargate fandom. But, as you said, Diana, we do have ten episodes that are still coming up. This is fully a quarter of SGU's run that we haven't seen yet, and we know that there's some cool stuff coming up. We know that there's some, some cool crossover guest appearances from some of our favorite actors coming up. Those episodes are going to be airing in the spring, and... We're going to be there. We're going to be there talking about them on the podcast and and covering them from top to bottom on GateWorld. Uh, In the meantime, we're going to figure out where we go from here.
1: Thank you for joining us, dear.
0: Thank you. you for
2: having me. I wish it was under happier circumstances.
0: We'll do it again. We'll find a happy topic. We'll talk about Stargate lollipops.
2: Well, and you know what? We, we can Next time we talk, I'll be back from Antarctica. I will have come back from finding the ancient outpost, and I can give yeah. everybody the coordinates so they can go find it themselves.
1: Yeah, we're going to have to have a debrief episode for that. That's going to be really cool.
2: Absolutely.
1: Absolutely, and uh, if you want more from Diana, a uh, an interview with her will it may be posted already. But uh, a discussion between her and Sean Farrell about uh, her recent novel Four Dragons will be available on the site very shortly.
0: Well, once again, big, big thanks to Diana Botsford for joining us for this conversation. Not the conversation that I was expecting to have this week. Uh, of it's course definitely wins. necessary. I mean, Necessary for sure. We've got to talk about this. Um, so what we're going to do is ran out of time for our SGU season two so far discussion, which we're going to bump to our first show in January. Uh, If you've got thoughts about those first 10 episodes of of SGU Season 2, where the show has come since Season 1, where you hope it's going to go in the next 10 episodes, definitely give us a call on the podcast hotline. Uh, You've got a couple of weeks to get your thoughts in for that show, and that'll show up on or around January 10th. So we're going to take off Monday the 27th of December and January 3rd and uh, have a little holiday bash, a little celebration with the family. David, I hope you have a very merry Christmas.
1: I sure hope to have one. I've got my I've got my dachshund back. He's not missing this holiday, so that's a good, good thing. We're both going to make be able to make it home this time, and good. you're back in Seattle, and um, yeah. So I think I think we're going to be good.
0: Yep. So give us a call on the podcast hotline. That number is nine five one two six two. 1647, you can call any anytime, day or night, talk about anything Stargate-related, definitely call in about the cancellation. We want to have lots of listener mail when we come back in January, uh, getting some reactions and some thoughts about the cancellation of Stargate Universe. You can also email in a brief audio recording, send that to webmaster at gateworld.net. Uh, just remember to keep that one brief, preferably a minute to a minute and a half, mm. tops.
1: You can also check out our forum thread, the GateWorld podcast forum thread in GateWorld forum, forum.gateworld.net. And as always, uh, every week, uh, Darren works hard on those life-saving show notes. And there's a, a comments thread underneath. You can leave uh, pithy comments there, P-I-T-H-Y.
0: Thanks, uh, you guys, who did manage to call in this week uh, on the cancellation. And Yeah, uh, check you out. Uh, special thanks to Russell for editing the show for us. And David, that's 2010. That's our last show of the year. 2010 is finally over in the can. What the a can. what a way to, what, what a topic to go out on.
1: I mean, it's just it's not like you know. Hey, how wonderful it's been this yeah. year. Have a happy New Year. I think uh, a few New of year. us are going to be going out and uh, getting pasted on uh, on uh, New Year's Eve. So. Yeah.
0: Go uh, throw back a few and sing "Auld Lang Syne." <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm actually gonna go out partying on New Year's Eve.
0: Oh, that's good.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna go to a dance club. I'm gonna have a good time. I've never Sweet. done that before. So.
0: I should tell you uh, my Seattle New Year's Eve story sometime. Uh, we went to the Space Needle to watch the fireworks, and it was completely fogged over. Ah! We were practically at the Space Needle and couldn't see it. Uh, anyways, that's most of the story actually so um we're coming back in 2011 guys don't worry there's lots of stargates come there's lots of gate world coverage to come uh we've we've got 10 more episodes we're going to be podcasting maybe not every week during this uh four-month hiatus but we'll definitely have a lot of topics to talk about and then stargate universe is coming back 10 more episodes in the spring
1: thank you for sticking with us this year this has been a good year for the gate world podcast yeah
0: i've had fun well happy holidays and happy new year everybody From GateWorld, this is Darren. This is David. And we'll see you back here next year for more of the GateWorld Podcast.